0: I'm just now thinking about orgies on television.
1: Bang. Bang. bang, 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 bang,
0: bang, bang on. Hello, Zan. Good morning, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. Good morning. Good morning. Too much morning radio for me. Good evening. Good day to you. Ciao. Good morrow. <laughs> what else you got? I got nothing. What I'm saying is, you look good, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Good day. How's the spittoon sesh going?
2: Ah, uh, look, it's still going. I'm on a full body detox now. Detox. You're like two weeks in now, aren't you? Two or three? Yeah, yeah. And I feel—I'd like to say I feel amazing, but I'm not sure what I feel. I haven't you had don't, a coffee. You don't feel hashtag blessed? Not hashtag blessed yet. I haven't had a coffee oh, okay. for a couple of weeks, and that's—it's it's killing me. Um, I haven't had any wine. Haven't had anything. Have the hives gone away? No. So I'm not entirely sure what's going on now.
0: I think you might be allergic to work. I've, yeah, I think I am.
2: <laughs> I feel like it might be. I might be allergic to the ABC um, specifically. <laughs> because I did, I paid like $800 to get the blood test to find out what I'm allergic oh to. Oh, my God. I know, ridiculous. But I figured I've got to sort this out. This has been going on my whole life. It's time now to sort it out. And um, so it just cost a bomb. And, and you know what it came back with that I was allergic to? Mm-hmm. Something that's in margarine that I don't even eat. (laughs) Pears. I don't eat pears. I've never eaten a pear. I hate pears. (laughs) And the other thing that I'm currently eating as part of the detox... Quinoa, the only grain I can have. I'm a the ancient, ancient grain. grain. The <laughs> oh ancient God. grain. So I'm stuffed. I'm just going to give up. I'll just be. I'm just going to go around like I've been bitten by bees all over my body <laughs> for the rest of my life. I think that's where we're at right
0: now. Oh, what a oh. joyous, joyous time it has been on the internet over the last few days. Oh, let's
2: talk about Twitter like it's a new thing because Kanye's back and he made it exciting this week. Please,
0: Lights, all of the lights. Love that song. You know what? I reckon he's turning up the enlightenment because Twitter has been aflame. Kanye is back on. He's been quiet away from at Kanye West for quite a while. And the first tweet that he retweeted was from the founder of Twitter, welcoming him back on board. He'd be doing good things for Twitter right now because everybody mm. is following this. And it's amazing following on from the news that we saw via an interview that he did in the Hollywood Reporter, a US publication, with the architect that worked on his house with Kim Kardashian. Basically, he was interviewing the architect. They were talking about art and culture and, you know, p- pretty much what we do every week on Bang On. They yeah. were doing that for this. Let's the- get him on. <laughs> we come, take. Dave,
2: come on over, I mate. Lo- oh, God. it's a I safe space. That.
0: We like ideas. Well, he, you know, much like Yoko Ono, he just shares so much wisdom and through this chat. He basically said that he was writing a book of philosophy called break the simulation. Mm -hmm. And of course that blew up the internet. And then it's become apparent through these tweets that he actually is going to be releasing this book in real time on Twitter. This is what he said just 13 hours ago at the time of recording. This is a moving Mm -hmm. story with Kanye West. By the time you hear this, he could have tweeted anything and everything uh, since we recorded this on Bang On. But he basically said about this book, no publisher or publicist will tell me what, what to put, where, or how many pages to write. This is not a financial opportunity. This is an innate need to be expressive. And he's been expressive over the last 12 oh, to 13 so hours. I Miff, mean, it's been
2: amazing. So good. Um, I don't even know where to start. But what I do love about the whole thing is he's done these tweets but then interspersed it with just some snapshots of a couple of pairs of sneakers that he's working on on Twitter. So you get get inspirational tweet, philosophical tweet, philosophical tweet, sneakers, philosophical tweet, philosophical tweet, pocket squares. Some little pocket, just a photo of some pocket squares.
0: But it's all part of his creative process.
2: Exactly. I There's love no. It. I
0: mean, again, much like Bang On, there is no high and lowbrow. No. It's all part of the same mix. It's life. It's easy. One life. of the tweets. One of the tweets he said 12 hours ago was: "Cars have four wheels. Hoodies have hoods." It's amusing to me when someone says this is an original hoodie, bro. It's a hoodie. It's truth. Mm. What is tweeting is absolute truth, myth. I, I'm loving well, these tweets. He said here
2: truth is my goal. Controversy is my gym. I'll do 100 reps of controversy for a six pack of truth. I love him.
0: <laughs> Just stop lying about shit. Just stop lying was another highlight. Yeah, 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 this is good.
2: This I actually thought was quite deep, and I'm thinking of taking it on. Be as transparent as possible. Stop setting plays. Stop playing chess with life. Make decisions based on love, not fear. There was one that got um, Kimmy a little bit upset. Oh, yeah. Did you see this? Yeah. That's my favourite moment. He's written, sometimes you have to get rid of everything. And Kimmy has piped in with a reply, public (laughs) reply, because you know how they love to do things publicly or via email, as we remember from the last time when he told her about what sunglasses to wear. Kim's just replied, everything, question mark. And then with that emoji with the girl with her hand up. I loved it.
0: I think that she's got a good sense of humour and you'd have to uh, have one, wouldn't you, being married to Kanye West? yeah. i got to say though, like when when we talk about this, I think it's easy to think that we're being cynical. I think that it's easy to be cynical and I actually have a lot of time for Kanye. His last record was problematic lyrically for me, I will say that. But in terms of the way that he thinks about art Mm. and the way that he addresses the world philosophically, he says stuff that I actually really connect with, and I will preface this by telling you that I'm taking your advice and reading a self help book, Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic. Mm. So I'm well and truly in the eat pray love oh, frame yeah. of mind. Yeah. And and happily so. But one of the tweets that he said, which I really loved was, Be here now, be in the moment. The now is the greatest moment of our lives, and it just keeps getting better. The bad parts, the boring parts, the parts with high anxiety, embrace every moment for its greatness. This is life. This is the greatest movie we will ever see.
2: I love that. Embrace it all. So that means I do have to embrace my hives. <laughs> I do, because that's, that's my life. This is my movie. Hives. <laughs> You're in the greatest
0: movie you will ever see, Miff. Oh. The Hives, starring <laughs> Miff Warhurst.
1: Sit down. Bitch, <laughs> l- Sit down.
2: Big news, the Pulitzer Prize, which uh, awards people that excel within literary worlds, within journalism, within music, was awarded to Kendrick Lamar for his record, "Damn," which um, was one of the great records of 2017. But the thing that makes this really interesting, because everyone around the world said it was an extraordinary album, the thing that makes this really interesting is that the Pulitzer has never awarded it to what we call a pop record, even though it's a a rap record or a hip-hop record. Popular Mm. music, it has never been awarded in its 60-year history. It has never been awarded uh, to a pop record, and this is groundbreaking.
0: Yeah, it's history-making. You know, Mm. it wasn't even awarded to anyone other than a classical musician until 1997, and then it was awarded to, uh, I think it was Winston Marsalis for a jazz Jazz. record in 1997. Jazz. Jazz. I saw your fingers go then. Jazz. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it is totally groundbreaking to have Kenny win. Um, a few feathers ruffled perhaps in the institution. I thought it was really cool this week to see that a couple of the people who were in the nominee category were talking about what they thought. Um, and they, basically they lost to Kendrick Lamar. They lost their chance at getting the Pulitzer Prize. And I think that the, that thing that you say, it's not just about it being a hip hop record, but about it being a popular music record that opens up the category. There's mm. so much more competition now when you think about it, if it's open slatter, I think that's a good thing, yeah. obviously recognizing popular music as art, which it is. Um, but some of the uh, composers who were up for the award said that his music in particular had been so important to them that he's so bold, experimental and authentic and he's one of the people that's truly creating new music and they really acknowledge that the space of the Pulitzer Prize, which is so prestigious in some circles, has been a really white space. That the fact that Kendrick is now entering that space completely changes your perception. It was the same as like Bob Dylan winning mm. the Pulitzer Prize for Literature a couple of years ago. Yeah. Which he then didn't even acknowledge for ages And people were like, oh it can't be. It's like what we talk about this all the time. Why are you so scared of change? Yeah. If you don't change, then nothing changes, you know, basically. Yeah. Like why do you want to keep on keeping on? You've got to open these these realms up and particularly when it comes to questions of race and musical class. Yeah, and whose uh, stories yeah. deserve to be exactly. applauded. Exactly. Yeah. So it was cool to see these guys giving shout-outs uh, from a classical music background. What did and they say? Know, saying... Well, they they basically said, well done. It's bloody awesome. They're fans. And one of them, uh, Gilbertson, one of the composers who was nominated, when the interviewer said, maybe you'll work with Kendrick. And he said, that would be a great honour. Oh, so, go. Kendrick, orchestral record, coming our way next is what my top tip is. I would not put it past him. <laughs> No. Bachelor in Paradise. No. Why not? What's wrong with you? Because I'm, do, do you, you know this? Do you have a Because Sophie's not in it. And also, you know that we're all going to die one day. So I can't do that. I'm trying to catch up on everything else. I'm not spending my time with Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah. I, can't, I watch it on Twitter, basically. I watch people live tweeting it and having a blast. Mm. That's all you need to do. Nothing Are happens. you watching it? Yeah, of course I am. Oh my God. Yeah.
2: You yeah. I even ask. I don't know any of their names and I don't care to. I do not have any emotional investment in anyone on the show. But for me, it's just that little bit of quiet time in the evening where I don't have to think about everything else in the world and just sit around with these very attractive people who really just talk about themselves the entire time and it takes the focus off me thinking about what I have to do. That's why I watch it.
0: I love it. It sounds like you really like watching vapid cats. <laughs> well, you're not the first. <laughs> Because, cop this, this is a
2: highlight of my week. The, the Daily Mail, or as I like to call it, the Daily Fail, the Daily Fail printed something and all of a sudden I saw people posting on Twitter referencing an article and one of them said, with a link to the Daily Fail, refreshing, refreshing honesty from the Daily Mail this morning. That was one. Um, and I went, oh, I'll have a look at that. <laughs> and, of course, it's about the Bachelor in Paradise. And this is the quote. That the journalist has obviously written and then just I don't know, it got through didn't get it got through the sub editors or someone missed a process somewhere or they wanted to get sacked, but I doubt that because, you know, young journalists probably work for a publication like this and they're just trying to get a step up. This is the quote Florence initially rose to fame on Maddie J's season of The Bachelor before unsuccessfully trying her luck at love again in Paradise, she wrote in the published article. But most people who are educated at a high school level know these vapid cats only go on the show to find mediocre Instagram fame and make a living promoting teeth whiteners and unnecessary cosmetic procedures.
0: Imagine being the first person to see that and just going, what? Shrieking with laughter. I mean, of all the bombs to drop, the C-bomb is the worst. But then to preface it with vapid so amazing. Uh, someone, so amazing. They contacted one of the guests from on the show,
2: Alexandra, who I can't remember what she did on it and it doesn't matter. Alexandra from her <laughs> part told News Corp that she was shocked and disgusted by the article. I'm not shallow or materialistic, which is what the journalist is suggesting, she insisted. And then I quote, I didn't even know what vapid meant. Oh, no. <laughs> isn't that she terrible but the but the worst bit about this though like let's let's talk about the daily mail the worst bit about this is and so many people have said this on twitter this is not a new thought of mine that the fact that they're quite happy to print absolute outright lies generally mm. they're mm-hmm. happy to print stories from other journalists just cutting and pasting ad hoc willy nilly and putting it in there and that doesn't get anyone sacked neither of those is a sackable offence at the daily mail but when someone actually writes something personal that goes through to the keeper accidentally that some may or may not consider to be a truth bomb they get sacked for that so the unions are onto them now and the really? journal might have to get reinstated yeah
0: yeah because it's so, yeah the creates, double standard is pretty phenomenal it creates an unsafe
2: workspace if you cannot if you're not in a space where you cannot make a mistake and yet we've all written those emails and never sent them, you know, and they feel good. They feel good and that's just what happens and it should have gone through three levels of sub-editing before it got to being published online. But there
0: are no sub-editors left. That's there the are point. no sub
2: but that's the thing. So <laughs> in, in a way the journal is probably not as liable as we think he or she should or could be. Do you reckon
0: that anybody actually complained, or do you think that the Daily Fail has got like some sort of hookup with who's broadcasting The Bachelor? Is it Channel Nine or Channel Seven? Channel Ten. Channel (laughs) Ten. No idea. Get on it. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What channel
2: was Sophie on, Dan?
0: (laughs) Someone referred to. Although she's going to Channel
2: Nine for Love Island, which will be amazing. I'll be. Oh my
0: god! I'm sorry. Have you seen the promo for Love Island? It is basic, but it's pornography. It is so intense. It's basically going to be an orgy on television. Mm. Great. <laughs> Great with dinner. That grunt that you just made made me dinner. very uncomfortable. Mm. <laughs> Great while I'm having my tea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll watch it because it's our soap. <laughs> it's, our it's our soap. soap. It's our she's soap. hosting this time. I know. It's different. Girls, girls, who run the world? Girls, who run the world? Well, following Baychella on Sunday, uh, our time, when we were streaming it live from the Coachella Music Festival, which has become Baychella now officially, so many Bang fan were tweeting me and saying, oh, my God, you're going to dedicate the whole of Bang On Mm. to Beyonce this week. And I tell you what, if it wasn't such a massive... This year, This year, she's won, our queen. If there wasn't so much else going on in the week that's been so fun, then we probably would have done the whole episode. But we're talking about it now. What a phenomenal performance statement and moment in music not just festivals but in live performance and in musical history just mind-blowing that set oh
2: incredible absolutely incredible you think of her vocal prowess through that two-hour performance you think about the extraordinary staging and setting that went on with this festival slot and it's a festival slot you don't have to work that hard for a festival slot the costuming Everything, the references, it was political, it was musical, it was athletic, it was feminist, it was so many things all in one two-hour thing. It was like this magical, magical creation. Yeah. Think about a band getting out with a couple of guitars and doing a bit of a lacklustre at in set from here on in. No one's getting away with that shit anymore. Well, no that's one. The,
0: I mean, the, the last thing that I streamed was the Radiohead performance, which I think was last year or the year before, and I was really excited by that because I loved their most recent album at the time, and I I, I, had, I was ex- thought this is a cool show, and they've got cool mirrors and lights and stuff, but she, like you say, she just destroyed everything. It was just... Again, it was reminding me of the first time I watched Lemonade and I was just on the edge of my seat going, what is happening? The other thing that I thought the whole time as I was crying and screaming and feeling goosebumps was this is how I feel watching this. Imagine being a woman of colour watching this performance and what that would do. And we often talk about The fact that on Bang On we have a platform and a privilege, but also acknowledge that privilege of being two white ladies talking about white lady things. Mm. And I think that now more than ever, it's a chance to invite someone in who may have seen that performance in a very different way, is probably still weak at the knees after it. Ketchy, who is the host of Roots and All on Triple J, uh, lead singer of Sasquatch, and I believe was also desperate to go to the toilet but couldn't find a point <laughs> exactly. to actually run out because that two-hour performance was so mind-blowing. So Ketchy's joining us as a part of the Bang Fan this week. Hey, Ketchy. Well, hey. Welcome to the fan.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me here. Thanks
0: for banging back. You, you what, Did you watch it in real time?
1: Yeah, I've watched the the entire performance in real time. And it was one of those moments where you just think, I can't believe, like, to me, it's a part of history for me, mm. seeing a performance like that, seeing her perform like that. And I remember when it started, it was such an elegant entrance. And when when it got revealed of that huge stage and that setup, it was like, wow, Bay is back. The Hive is buzzing. Mm. Like, this <laughs> is the
2: return of a queen onto stage. Yeah. And she knew, right? She knew what she was doing exactly. Like she said, thank you. I'm the first Black woman to perform or to headline at Coachella and she knew that what she was going to do was actually ensure that... That door is so open wide now for everyone and also make people question why on earth has this not happened. Well, I think for a lot of black artists there's been
1: a lot of things that have been brought up about how black culture and um, black um, styles and and performances are never taken seriously until like it's mimicked by somebody who isn't from that culture and then it's like, oh, my God, this is a fashion trend or this Mm. is a statement or this is we're finally going to accept this element of black culture. And so for her to come on stage and do a performance that embraced so many different things about black culture and also made a lot of statements about being black, about not having to be... um, Like She did the whole performance wearing just little shorts and a jumper to kind of say, like, I don't need to um, be wearing my best clothes and be on my best behaviour for you to appreciate what I've got to Mm. offer. She really just showed how much... um, how good she is and how good black artists are and and yeah did kind of stick the finger totally. and say like this is like this is just an nth degree of how amazing we are and she she didn't um, also one of the things that I really loved about her performance is it wasn't in the consideration of um, I'm going to try and make people understand who I am or understand no. this and that's what made it so powerful it was the authenticity in her performance and in the sounds and in the people that she obviously strategically Placed, but mm. it was that um, authenticity of black culture that was represented. It wasn't watered down. It was completely in your face, and it wasn't trying to explain itself. Which I was just like, yes. Which I was screaming, yeah. <laughs> <at the laughs> computer screen for the, for the two hours. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to see. And it's also amazing as well that uh, because I think for a lot of people who are, um, who see themselves as people of colour or have grown up with a culture that's not necessarily the main culture that they, they live in in society, there is an element of trying to um, almost not apologise but make people feel like they're included in your culture by dumbing it down as a way mm. of expressing it. But the reality is like... Cultures have a rich textual history, and the reason why they're still around today is because they really do reach people on a human level, and I think that's why it affected women and people of all communities to see her perform on a stage like that. It meant so much.
0: I I don't know if you guys saw, but Tina Lawson, Mama Tina, who we love, following Mm. on Instagram and Twitter – posted on the day following that she told her daughter, Beyonce, that she was afraid that the audience would be confused by all the black culture and the black college culture because they just wouldn't get it. And that Beyonce in turn said to her mother that she's worked very hard to get to the point where she has a true voice. And at this point in her life and career, she has a responsibility to do what's best for the world and not what is most popular she basically stood up and, and Tina basically said, I stand corrected. Like, yeah. I, you know, she she acknowledged that she said to her daughter, hey, do you think this is a good idea? And Beyonce said, yeah, I'm friggin' doing this. Yeah. When you were watching it though, like for me, I had to go in and research all the, the motifs and the representations and all the different elements of, I didn't know anything about historically black colleges and universities. And I, you know, I knew about the second line and obviously the huge, Southern black music culture that she really shifted her music into. Mm -hmm. But did it, you know... Was that the point that we all went and went, oh, what is this? What is this world that I've never been exposed to?
1: Yeah, I think so, because a lot of the times when people talk about wanting to reach into a culture that they don't understand, a lot of the reactions is, I don't know where to start off, and I don't know, like, it's like um, people are expecting the information to be handed out to them on, on a pamphlet, but for a lot of people, of colour, myself included, we've had to do the research ourselves and find out the history as to why we see these motifs in African-American history or um, even try and work out where we fit with our own cultures and things like that. But Mm. like you said, there's so many powerful things. The fact that she had um, the Stomp artists, that's a follow on from African people being brought over to America and not allowed to sing their music or play instruments. And so Stomp has a really, really strong history of kind of defiance and and maintaining some element of your culture so that's like one element mm. The one of the moments that almost broke me was Nina, hearing Nina Simone's oh. voice mm. and knowing her story she, I mean like, let's be honest, she she did go a bit batshit crazy towards the end of her life but a lot of her life was about being a strong black woman at a time where people really, really didn't care black, about black women, which is also the Malcolm Malcolm, Malcolm X, X that quote came through. That, that came through and Chinua, Ch, uh, not sorry, not Chinua I always get them confused. Chiamanda. Chimam- Chimam-
0: Chimamanda, and Chim- Ngozi Adigi. Yeah,
1: you just pronounce all the vowels. I just, that's how <laughs> Nigerian names work. Just every vowel, just say, just say it as they are. But yeah, she's quoting all these people talking about kind of what black people have been told that they are and demonstrating how far we've come and how defiant black people are and how when they're given nothing, they will still si- find something and make it sick. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there that I didn't understand because obviously I didn't grow up in America, so that whole the black um, college thing was The college like, stuff. Whoa? Yeah, Because, needs- yeah, I was looking up like, what's the triangle mean? Mm. Is, she, is she a part of the Illuminati
2: or something? That's what I thought as well yeah. initially. <laughs> I thought she was taking the piss. She, she might have been referencing a little bit of that at some point because, yeah. you know, that's an ongoing dialogue about that, <laughs> You know, her and Jay-Z.
1: Yeah, that they're Illuminati babies. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of stuff that I like, was still unpacking, but the. There's just so many moments where watching it, I realized how important Beyonce has been to a lot of women and to a lot of women of colour from the beginning, from that, like, when Destiny's Child came up. I was just oh like... Oh, my God. Because she she was wearing that outfit. It was the camouflage, but it was sequined. And I was I was watching it thinking, this looks like the I'm a Survivor film yeah, clip. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then they came I out. As soon as I saw that, I knew. Oh, my God, yeah. And then it looked like something, like, out of dream girls, Like, the way that they were all positioned, like the Charlie's Angels kind of independent woman stance. It just, it just reverberated so... So much in that two hours. I can't believe it was two hours as well. It felt like a whole lifetime went past just
2: watching <laughs> this unfold. I, I feel like the world has shifted slightly. Like yeah. the way we turn has shifted slightly after this. I don't know. It felt, it felt that good.
0: Yeah. One of, the, one of the other things that I really loved as well and just on that tip of bringing out Kelly and Michelle and choosing to obviously share the stage with Jay-Z, which by the way, look, he looked tiny compared to her. Like and he did you see shrinking. she grabbed his head? Really,
1: when they were singing together, she was grabbing his hair and she kind of like pulled him back a bit, and I was Ooh. like, "Whoa,
0: was was sassy!" Was so like good. put
1: him in his place. <laughs> He's her guest on her yeah. stage. Like, well, you felt that too, yeah. yeah.
0: But she also, um, obviously having Solange coming out and, you know, them doing the dance-off, you think about all the people that she's collaborated with over her entire career. And I was hoping that she wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't or didn't need to bring anyone out. But she chose the people who were family and Kelly and Michelle are family. But also really this was not only a platform that she was using to celebrate – black pride and black culture, but it was about acknowledging where she'd come from and the people who had helped her get there. And even that point where Destiny's Child came out and it wasn't Beyonce at the front, that was always her band. Let's never forget. Matthew Knowles managed that. That was the project to get Beyonce front and centre. But when she was there on stage, she was there flush with Kelly and Michelle, sharing the stage and really allowing them to celebrate that moment with her as her sisters who had gotten her to this position. It was just... It, oh God! I'm just getting shivers thinking about so it hey, again. I've it was so got powerful. You're <laughs> saying that, and you know
2: what? I hate people on the internet that go, "This was everything." or this is everything. Yeah, it fucking was it everything. Was. It
0: was I everything. was writing, <laughs> "I'm dead. I am dead." People. Yeah, yeah, what you said, catchy about the feeling that it gives women and women of color. I found it really interesting, and there's always going to be Beyoncé haters in the world, but I found it really interesting to see the reaction of women has been predominantly just like, oh my God. And the only negativity I've seen has come from men. Is it just something that, um, and I'm not saying all men, not all men, but the, do you think that it's just, this is an artist that is so fiercely and particularly lately fierce, fiercely about the celebration of powerful womanhood yeah. that that, uh, that that alienates men and they just can't connect with it
1: oh definitely I, d- I definitely think she's alienating men but it's not like it's not from the point of view of let let's make something so they can't get in it's just they're not being thought of and I think we're in a yeah. point in time where a lot of artists are doing that where they're either not thinking of having to make things for um, white people or white culture as black artists or not needing to make things to appeal to the perspective of men um, and I think that's just the movement of feminism and also of try of propelling a culture of equality as much as we want to include people we also want to represent ourselves and not have to consider the other so that they feel comfortable with our culture whether that be being female being um, a part of the queer community uh, or being male Um, there's so much about music and about our culture Historically, that is about men, and with not the inclusion of women. So I think it's probably the fru- the frustration of being on the other end yeah. of the stick this time. And I think that also is probably why it really resonated with women because um, it was it was for women. This performance was for women, and like you, like we've been saying, Jay Z looked tiny on that <laughs> yeah. stage. And most of her bands were female, even though she like she still had men in that in her band. They mm. weren't really front and center. It was all no. about the yeah. women. And even those her dances were kind of caricatures of of kind of like feeble men, even though they were clearly ripped yeah enjoyed um and uh yeah, they weren't these kind of powerful men trying to like seduce her or or like to stop her from something. They were there to support her. As as yeah. And you see that as well with her backup dancers, the twins. They they're like her brothers and you can yeah. see how much that they look up and respect her. Like everyone was there for her and for women and for women of color in that moment. And and it felt like the world just stopped. It was yeah. amazing.
2: Brilliant, Ketchy. Thank you so much for coming in today and joining us. You're, you are now officially a member of the Bank fam. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for having
0: me. That
2: was amazing. How incredible is Ketchy? I love, I love her. Ketchy. She's so great. And if you want to hear more of her stuff and see more of her stuff, she actually has a two part video series called The Pin, which you can access wherever you access all your gear. And she talks to people like Kira Peru, For Jones, Ajak Kwai. Hancock, Ms Risk, and it's about culture and representation and it's pretty special.
0: Yeah, it's really good. I actually saw the one with Kira Peru in it and it's really interesting conversation, particularly if you're, like for me, you come from a white background and there's you know, you experience the world in a slightly different way, or particularly Australia in a different way to perhaps how Ketchy or Kira Peru would, and the way that they speak about um, their culture and the culture of Australia blending together. It's really interesting. We'll put the link in the show notes uh, if you want to find that great little video series mm. and the bloody Beyonce J Files. The bay files. The J. The J. The, it's Double Bay. <laughs> double it's Bay. Ba- it's Bay Day, and we're doing the uh, <laughs> Beyonce J Files. Um, at the time of record, it's happening tonight, Thursday night. But if you're catching up later, you can still listen Dreaming. to the J files uh, afterwards at doublej.net.au, two hours celebrating Beyonce. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. It's just it's the, the never ending Beyonce. Yeah. Ah, ah, ah. It's a good time to be alive. It's a great time to be alive. What are you banging on about? Oh, man. I'm banging on about something that I've been holding on to for weeks because I saw a preview of this and I wanted to wait until everybody else could see it as well. I'm banging on about the beautiful documentary Gurumul. So this is a pretty extraordinary documentary. It's basically acts as a, a telling of a story of Gurumul making this final work of art and something that he didn't realise was going to be his final, obviously, because yeah. he died quite suddenly last year at the age, very young age of 47. It's a collaboration with his longtime musical partner, Michael Honan, who comes from a classical background, and they basically got together and made this orchestral blending of both Western composition and... The s- traditional stories and chants and songs from where Gurumul is from, was from, or was from uh, in northeast Arnhem Land, uh, Galuinku, on Alco Island. And before we go ahead, I just want to let anyone know you're not aware that r- the reason that we're speaking about Gurumul and using his full name and also playing his music is that the family have given their permission. They basically have decided, uh, against tradition really, mm. to. Use the name of Gorrimal and to let his music be shared because they want to protect his legacy yeah. and what a legacy it is, and also
2: keep those stories going on, which is very much about how Indigenous culture tells their stories. It's an oral tradition, and, and yeah. now it's becoming a, an oral tradition too because those stories are now in song, concrete. Yeah, and I just think that's incredible.
0: Yeah, it's a the doc. So the documentary is obviously capturing the recording of this final album. But it's really the story of Gurumul and it's so beautifully told because it's not just the story of this young boy who grew up in a community and as soon as people heard his voice, they're like, what is this sound? Who then went on to tour the world, jam with Sting. Obviously, you know, it's well known. He played for Barack Obama and for the Queen and obviously played huge shows um, to his fans all over the world and here in Australia. But it has this dual narrative of him all over the world performing and then back home on Elko Island and with his community. And it's a very different life. And you feel as though he's got this foot in two worlds and he's much less comfortable in the world where he's having to tour and be mostly be apart and be away from his family Family. and his communities constantly on the phone. He's listening to ceremonies. There's obviously a lot of family business that he's missing while he's away. And he feels that pull, that heart pull from being so separated from home and the interesting thing about this documentary is as well that he gave his approval for it just three days before he died. So the where the f- film finishes, that's the way they left it. They didn't change anything about the film because that's the film that Gurumul said yes to. It is so beautiful, Miff. It's yep. just like I from the opening scene I was just in tears and the cinematography in particular that photography of him on Galawinku, Alco Island, is just phenomenal. I mean, you've seen it. It's yeah. just it's, a, it's one right. of the best documentaries I've seen. Again, I'm getting shivers just thinking about yeah. it. Rush out, rush out
2: and watch it. I think it opens next week all around the country. Hopefully you can find a screening of it somewhere. Go and see it. It, it really is magnificent and a wonderful and fitting tribute, I think.
0: What are you banging on about this week? Well, from that to Bit of trash telly, everybody. Are we about to cleanse the palate? Cleanse the palate. Like I said, again, like Kanye, no high and low brow. No high and low. I've it's always, all creativity I've with me f- for her. I've always
2: been from that camp because... You are Kanye. Thank you. We're all Kanye. Thank you. I'm going to take that today. We are all Kanye.
0: <laughs> so what are you banging on about?
2: I can't believe. That's great. Um, that's what he wants. He wants us all to be him. It's true great. Anyway, I'm going to recommend season three of Unreal, which is a, a fictionalised account of putting together all those programs that we love to love, like The Bachelor. Yep. And this season, season three, is next level nuts, extraordinary, cannot stop watching Oh, stuff. good. Because um, um, season two jumped the shark a bit. Season two was a little, got a little bit too sure of itself and then a little bit confused about what it was trying to say. But season three has gone right back into what it's good at and, oof, It's good. I don't want to give anything away, but this one has a bachelorette and there's lots of bachelors and um, just brilliant, brilliant. It's It's so
0: cutty. I mean, the the person that, for anybody who doesn't know, the person who came up with this series was a producer on – you know, the bachelor, she Mm. basically is writing all the stuff that she saw backstage. And some of it may be a little bit inflated and over exaggerated, but it's so good. But there are some nice surprises. Great surprises. Really, really good surprises. It's
2: just, yeah, it's very involved and detailed and magnificent. Get on it. If you haven't watched unreal yet, start from the start, maybe give season two a miss, but I still enjoyed it regardless. And season three back in form.
0: If you're a completist, watch all of them, but yeah, I'm very excited about season three. What a week. What a week, Miffy. Uh. I'm exhausted. We should do DVD extras of Bang On. <laughs> Imagine commentary over our commentary. <laughs> oh. Oof. Just got like a flash of The Exorcist then and just okay. someone's head spinning and vomiting hearing that. And saying, your mother sucks <laughs> cocks in <it down." laughs>
1: Bang. Bang. Bang.
2: Bang.
0: Bang. 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 Bang on. You knew I'd get that
2: back in. You I'm can't sorry for into
0: the mic. I couldn't get away quick enough, James. I'm sorry, bang boy. I'm sorry, bang fam. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah, that's that's from ex- 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 that. That's from the Exorcist. Double J.